Good morning, Merry Christmas, and I am throwing you a curveball, and we know that. We are so glad that you're here. If you're a guest with us, we're thrilled to death that you would spend your Christmas Eve with us. Today's service is a little bit abnormal. Normally, I wouldn't be coming up here to preach just yet, but we're giving some of you what you've always longed for. You'll get to hear from me twice in one day, in one service even. So um, the way that the service is going to lay out is I'm going to put a bow on our messages from the book of Ruth that we've been uh, working our way through over the last few weeks. Uh, we're going to sing a few more songs, and then um, I will invite our children up on the stage in just a little while with me. And we will read through the Christmas story together. So uh, that's traditionally what we've done in our Christmas Eve service. And we're combining all of those things into one big service today. So our kids are with us. Again, if you're a guest with us, uh, normally we have um, child care for uh, nursery stuff for our younger children. We have children's worship for our older children. Today they're all in here. And so parents, I want you to be okay. If they are talking or if they are squirming or if they are loud, your kids are already better than the 830 service kids were, okay? So um, uh, now... I'll tell them the same thing next week just so we're all above board. But uh, uh, all kidding aside, it's Christmas. They're excited. We're excited. So just know uh, we are not at all concerned with the squirming and the, uh, the loudness. But I do want you to know that if you come back next week, it will be a little different. Uh, there will be lots of child care options. All right. Having said all those things, we are in the book of Ruth, chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 1 through 6. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me in honor of God's word. As I turn to Ruth. Here now, for this is the word of the Lord. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend, and sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city. And he said, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who had who has come back, or excuse me, he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that, tell me that I may know, excuse me, sorry, I got confused. If you will redeem it, redeem it. Uh, if you will not tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you for your redemption. Thank you for Jesus Christ, who we celebrate here at Christmas. May you be honored and praised as we speak of your word today. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you. Please be seated. What is your greatest Christmas gift ever? Uh, I don't necessarily mean the gift of greatest uh, value, material value, but what is the greatest Christmas memory? For me, I, I have a few that come to mind. When I was a kid, my parents gave me a chess set that was sort of hand-carved. It was beautiful, and uh, I, I was so excited. I know that's kind of a nerdy gift. Some of you are like, really? That's the best? It was great. It was so exciting for me uh, when I got that. Um, several years ago, Angela gave me uh, a, a, an original 
manuscript page from one of Charles Spurgeon's sermons. Charles Spurgeon was a, a pastor in London in the late 1800s and uh, one, one of my mentors. And so she was able to acquire one of those online, um, bought it, had it framed. It's hanging in my office today. It was a wonderful surprise for me. Uh, last year at Christmas, Angela and the kids bought me a new pair of Birkenstocks because I'm just a hippie like that. Um, and that might seem like, oh, what's the big deal? They bought them because they were so embarrassed to see me wearing the ones I've been wearing for the last 20 years. So sometimes we get gifts that are given to us because people actually want to do nice things for us. And sometimes when you're a dad, you get gifts given to you because your wife and children are trying to find ways for you to embarrass them less than you already do. But certainly all of you have something, some Christmas memory. And the thing about Christmas gifts is sometimes they're special because, uh, y'all, this microphone in me. Let's try this again. All right. Sometimes Christmas gifts, it is still not. Sometimes Christmas gifts are special because somebody just went out of their way. But other times it's the thought. Have you ever had that gift that somebody heard you talk about something 12 months ago and they remembered and they bought it for you? Uh, perhaps you have that, that gift that somebody just noticed that you needed and they showed up and they, they delivered it to your house or, or your, your kids brought it to you. We, we all know what that's like, or I hope you do anyway. When we think about what these great Christmas gifts are, we're just reminded that it's more than the money. It's usually the thought or the effort. And as we end the book of Ruth, I want us to consider the great love that Boaz had for Ruth to go to such measures to care for her. I want us to consider also the great love that God has for us in his willingness to send Jesus as our great sacrifice. Y'all, these passages in the book of Ruth, these messages in the book of Ruth, through this we've seen a lot of wild things. Some of you are here today and you've not been a part of these services for us over the last four weeks. So let me just briefly summarize what we've seen. We've seen these two women, Ruth and Naomi. Naomi is the mother-in-law, Ruth is the daughter-in-law, and these two women have basically lost everything. Ruth lost her husband, Naomi lost her husband, who was Ruth's father-in-law, and there was another brother-in-law that was lost along the way. Ruth and Naomi have fled from the country of Moab and come back to Naomi's homeland in Judah and Bethlehem. And they're in that place. They've begun to try to set up a life for themselves. But in God's providence, what the Lord has done is he's brought a man into Ruth's life named Boaz. And Boaz is a man that has taken notice of Ruth and that loves Ruth, cares for her. Now, when we find ourselves in Ruth chapter 4, we are in the middle of this weird legal dilemma between Boaz and some unnamed man in Bethlehem. In ancient Israel, y'all still sticking with me? I know, kids, pay attention. We're going to get to the good stuff in a minute. All right? In ancient Israel, there were these laws that required if, if a woman lost her husband, then his nearest relative had the responsibility to redeem this woman. That's the word, redeem this woman, and to provide for her needs. It was a wonderful law that God provided to make sure that women and children were taken care of in that age and that they weren't left poor and destitute. And so in this particular situation, that's exactly why Naomi and Ruth have come back to Bethlehem in the hopes that there would be a redeemer who would step up and do his, his responsibility, do his job, and provide care for Ruth and Naomi. And so we find ourselves in this situation in chapter four, Boaz has taken notice of Ruth and Boaz is interested in having 
a marriage with Ruth and is interested and willing to take care of Ruth and Naomi. But Boaz is aware of the law and Boaz knows this. He knows that there is a closer relative than he is to Ruth and Naomi. And legally, he has the responsibility to first provide the opportunity to this unnamed man to be the redeemer for both Naomi and Ruth. And so that's where we find ourselves in this situation. We've got the end of this passage, Ruth and Naomi and Boaz. And Boaz goes to the city gate and he sits down and he waits for this dude to show up. And he says, hey, buddy, why don't you stop by and have a conversation with me? He says, friend, that's what he calls him. Uh, if you're in the city gate and you reach out to me, you say, hey, friend, I've got a word to share with you. Uh, chances are it's not going to go well, right? So he says, hey, friend, we need to have a conversation. Guy comes in, sits down, and Boaz begins to speak to him. He gathers elders from the community and he says, we need to talk about your responsibility. Naomi has come back from her journey and she's come back from her, her stay in Moab. Ten years she has returned. She is of course the widow of Elimelech and she is here and is in desperate need of a redeemer. And this man says, well, I will take care of that. I will take care of Naomi and I will purchase the property that is hers and I will be a steward over that land. And Boaz says, well, that's a good thing that you're willing to do that. But, oh, by the way, when you do that, you also have the responsibility to take upon yourself Ruth, the Moabitess woman. Boaz is a pretty smart guy, right? He knows what he wants. He knows what this other guy is not going to be interested. Notice he doesn't simply say there's a beautiful young woman in need of your care. He refers to her specifically as Ruth the Moabitess woman. Boaz is doing all he can to make sure that this guy is not interested in the situation. Boaz is interested and willing to be Ruth's redeemer. But we're going to see that this unnamed redeemer, what does he say? He says, whoa, 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 I didn't sign up for all of that. That is an expensive endeavor. That would, put, that would put all of my finances at risk. And so, no, I will not if you're interested in will. Some of you men are out there like, I met that Ruth and she is expensive. Um, I'm just kidding, ladies. I'm just kidding. I didn't use that joke in the first service. I wish I had because that's where Angela was and she's not here now. I'll have to encourage her to go watch the video. Um, yes. But that's what he does. Boaz says, yes, it's an expensive endeavor. And this man says, well, I won't do it, so you can. And Boaz says, nailed it. I got it. I will take care of it. Folks, that's the story of Ruth in a nutshell. And of course, Boaz does. And he marries Ruth and he cares for Naomi. And then ultimately, the Lord, through Boaz and Ruth, is going to bring about a child. And that child is going to be in the line of Jesus. These are people that God is using to bring about his great, his great deliverance, his great redeemer in Jesus Christ. That's the story of Boaz. You say, Craig, what in the world does that have to do with Christmas? It's Christmas Eve. That's all we got. Let's tie this thing up real quick with two big points. You ready? The first thing I want for you this morning is to expect God's yes. I want you to expect God's yes. Is God willing to redeem you? The answer is yes. Was God willing to redeem Ruth? The answer is yes. Did God have a plan? The answer is yes. And I want you to begin expecting God to say yes. When I ask you what your greatest Christmas gifts are, you remember. But I'm just curious, for those of you who are parents here, how, how many of you, well, let's, let's, how many of you kids have a Christmas list? Any of you? Raise your hand. That's awesome. How many of you... <laughs> How many of you feel guilty about your Christmas list? 
How many of you expect your parents to buy you a Christmas present, right? Yeah, everybody. How many of you parents in here are thrilled at the opportunity to give gifts to your children? Aren't we all? Y'all, we've got to be willing to expect God's yes. Jesus says that he is our heavenly father. And Jesus says, if you, those sinful and human and frail and messed up, know how to give your children good gifts, how much more your heavenly father? Do you know that God desires to save you? God actually wants. It is in his will that we would not live separated from him, that we would actually become his children. He wants to save us. He wants to save you. I want to encourage you this morning to expect God to say yes and to expect God to save you because it's his desire. Are you here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Know this, if you've never walked through the doors of a church or if you haven't been inside a church in a very long time, perhaps you said it's Christmas and I should just show up. I'm thrilled to death that you're here. Not only am I thrilled to death you're here, you're not here by accident. God's thrilled to death that you're here. And he wants to save you. And if you don't have a relationship with him, he would love, love for you to give your heart and life to Jesus today. He desires to save you. But not only does he desire to save you, look at this. God delights in giving good gifts to you. He does. It is a privilege for him. He loves you that way. He loves you. We, we somehow lose this conversation about the Lord. We occasionally begin to believe that God is just this, this big, mean God, Father, Spirit in the sky that's just waiting for us to mess up so he can like throw lightning bolts at us or something. But he actually desires to give good gifts to his children. He wants to bless you. Now that doesn't mean he's going to give you $10 million tomorrow. Right? But he desires to do good things. Some of you have a hard time with this, and I'm going to be honest with you. Some of you have a hard time because you didn't grow up in a household where you experienced goodness from your father. And as a result of that, it can be difficult to understand a good father, to trust this kind of father. But he loves you. He loves you. And at Christmas time, as you consider that Jesus came to earth as a baby and lived 33 years of sinless perfection, you need to understand that he wants to give you good gifts and that you can expect him to give you positive answers and to say yes to you because God sent Jesus. And the second thing this morning is this. Not only do I want you to expect God's yes, I want you to celebrate God's redemption. Celebrate God's redemption. Redemption. How much are we going to celebrate Christmas? Y'all, I, I, I love Christmas. I do. I, I, love, I love almost everything about Christmas. I love the lights. I love the songs. Um, I, I mean, almost every Christmas song. There's a few that are pretty trashy, but most of them are excellent. I like them. I love Christmas movies, except a Christmas story. Any of you that like that, I have no, I have no answers for you. I'm, I'm concerned about your, your honest. I don't even know how you could do that. Um, and, and then I love Christmas food. I love Christmas cookies. I like candy canes. I don't like jello molds. Um, I don't understand that. I don't understand congealed salads. 
And I understand that for some of y'all that is offensive, and I'm sorry, but I'm trying to help you. Listen to me. It's okay if you want to have jello. I don't like jello, but if you want to have jello, that's fine. If you want to have a fruit salad, that's great. If you want to have vegetables on the table, I think that's wonderful. The strange idea that you would chop all that up and throw it in one bowl and then just put it in the fridge and it comes out and it's like a big jello full of all the others. Don't do that. Don't do it. It's strange. Right? I'm going to love you enough to tell you that everybody who says it's good, they don't actually like it either. They don't. They're afraid they're hurting your feelings. Okay? I suspect that most of you don't like it. I have a cousin. This is no lie. This, I, I hope she watches this. I have a cousin um, that uh, for years made this, this weird congealed salad at the holidays. Okay? She doesn't even like it. But she makes it because it's a tradition. Nobody even eats it, and she still makes it. And I, y'all, it's gotten. To, if I'm there, I, I scoop a little bit on my plate. Just, I, it's like just, just like giving, just like a little sacrifice to her. I'm like, here it is. I'm going to honor you with this weird green concoction on my. It's a pistachio salad. I don't even know. I don't even know, right? But I, 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 I do. I honor her. I don't like it. I've told her I don't like it. Like I said, she doesn't like it. But she's still, some of y'all are still making those things. How many of y'all put cranberry sauce on the table and nobody touches it? Now, I personally eat the cranberry sauce, but I've heard the stories about people that don't even eat it. But, but, but don't we, like, there's all this stuff at Christmas that we just love. We just, we get so excited, or at least I do. Y'all, if we're not careful, though, in the middle of all of those great things, we just miss Jesus. We miss the redemption that came about as a result of Christ's sacrifice. And in the story of Ruth, we see a man who was willing to go to extreme measures to redeem a woman that he loved. And in God's word, we see the story of a God who was willing to stop at nothing to save the children who had rebelled against him in sin. Look at this. No cost was too great for God to redeem you. No cost was too great. Don't forget, chapter 4, verse 6, the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself lest I impair my own inheritance. He said, you know, Boaz, I'm sure that that Ruth's a pretty, pretty solid, upstanding woman. And I understand that Naomi's in a hard spot, but here's the reality. I just, I, that's not for me. If you want to do that, that's your own business, but I'm not going to write that check today. And then Boaz says, all right, well, I, I'll take care of it. I, I will handle it. Y'all just consider the debt that we created with sin and shame. Consider the way that we spent ourselves into sinful oblivion and yet God in his grace and mercy, in his kindness and love was willing to stop at no cost to bring about our redemption. Y'all, as we gather for Christmas, whether that be in this setting or in our homes, as we gather for Christmas, let me encourage you, make time in the next few days to celebrate God's redemption. Now, I said make, I didn't say find, because if you're looking for it, you won't find it, but if you make it, you can do it. Whether you make time around the kitchen table with the rest of the family, or you make time in your own personal quiet time, Make time in the next few days to celebrate God's redemption. Thank him for the fact that Jesus Christ was willing to come and to be born of a virgin, to live 33 years in this world and to die a cruel death for our sin and our shame. 
Celebrate that. Even in the difficult days. And this morning, really and truly, that's, that's the long and short of a message. When it's all said and done, my greatest question for you is, will you accept God's redemption? And will you celebrate it? Will you be grateful? In just a minute, we're going to come and we're going to sing a couple of Christmas carols. And then, kids, before you get all jumpy, after that, you guys are going to come up and help me with some more of the service. But this morning, I got to thinking before I got here that some of you might show up here today and, and need somebody that'd be willing to pray with you. Some of you may show up today and, and need to learn more about this Redeemer. For some of you, Christmas has grown cold and you need to know this God who says yes to our need for a Savior. When we stand up and sing in just a minute, um, I, just, I just want to invite you. We're, we're not going to do a traditional invitation up here, but there's going to be one of our pastors going to be in the back in the lobby. And if you would just like somebody to pray with you today, perhaps it's just been a tough season and you just need somebody to lay hands on you and just pray with you, Pastor Buster would love to pray with you today. Perhaps you say, I need this Jesus as more than a baby in a manger. I need this Jesus who would redeem me the way that Boaz redeemed Ruth, that he would stop at nothing to save me. If that's where you are today, as we stand and sing in just a minute, I just want to invite you, you can just slip right out of your seat and step out into the lobby. Pastor Buster will be back there. He would love to pray with you. Nothing would give him greater joy here at Christmas than to talk to you about what Jesus has done in his life and what Jesus can do in yours. Thank you so much for being with us. Would you stand with me as I pray? Father God in heaven, we love you and praise you and thank you for this day. God, I thank you for Jesus who came and died so that we might live as our great redeemer. I pray for all those who are gathered here today that as we sing a few Christmas carols, Father God, if there's somebody here today who needs a little bit more than a song, Father, maybe somebody needs a prayer or somebody that needs a relationship with Jesus, that, Father God, today will be the day they find it. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Y'all sing with us, and feel free to step into the back. Have some time to pray with Buster.